Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Kraplin. This is section number 27. What's up, everybody? Today we're talking to Laura Schneider. Laura is the co-owner of Meeple's Games, and she's going to walk us through how she built her awesome game store slash cafe slash Thunderdome. We go over how Laura spent an entire year planning and preparing before she opened her doors for the first time, and why that was critical to her current success. She used the lead-up time well. Since she's operating a game cafe rather than a run-of-the-mill LGS, she had to build a kitchen as well as a retail space, and kitchen equipment isn't cheap. In addition to planning everything out beforehand, she also purchased much of her equipment at a discount over the year. There are a lot of advantages to taking your time when it comes to building a business. We really explore what it takes to make the game cafe model work, even if you don't have any experience running a food business, just like Laura did. There are a lot of great resources in this episode, so let's get started. Hi, my name is Laura Schneider. I'm the co-owner of Meeple's Games in the West Seattle neighborhood of Seattle, Washington. We have been open... For a little over a year, we opened in May of 2014, and so far we're killing it. Cool. How did you get into games in general? Oh, I'm a lifelong gamer. I have many siblings, and games are one of the ways my mom kept us from killing each other. Um, I actually have a photograph of me as probably a 16- or 18-month-old sitting at the table with my family while they were playing Racco. Racco. Back in the day, yep. Haven't even heard of that one. It's a game from a long time ago. I actually have a copy because it's pretty fun. Huh. Um, so, you know, we I've been playing games all my life, and that has changed from, you know, mass market games when I was a kid to uh, hex-based Avalon Hill war games and chess in high school and, you know, all kinds of stuff in college, marathon spade sessions. And, uh, um, and then at, when I became a parent... I brought my son into gaming uh, when he was very young, and that's when I discovered the Euro game, you know, the whole other world of games beyond Target. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I worked in software for a very long time and saved my pennies and paid off my house and, you know, built my retirement fund and uh, quit and opened a game store. That's That's quite a jump. (laughs) Well, you know, I figured if I'm going to work really, really hard, I want to do it for myself. And that's my passion is gaming and my partner's passion as well. So, you know, we're having the time of our lives. Unfortunately, he still has a real job. (laughs) You didn't make the leap with you? No, not yet. We'll get there. Okay. So that that was actually one of the things that I was somewhat, I think, the most interested about was that you went from... What I think most people would consider like a pretty high end job, like software engineer is pretty, pretty good, right? Yep. And yep. you, eh, you know, went into owning your own game store. Like, well, why? Why would you uh, go from this professional level career and then do this entrepreneurial risk? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I ask myself that often. Um, I worked in software for a very long time, and as a woman in software, it is challenging, Mm. um, at best challenging, impossible uh, at worst. And I uh, rose to the level of uh, director of test engineering at a Fortune 100 company, and uh, that's a hard place to be, and I didn't want to work harder to go further. It's a hard job, so... You know, instead of buying a big fancy house, I paid everything off and financed myself to do this, which I'm much happier. I work just as hard, but I'm much, much happier. And, that's, you know, that's a good reason. it's not about money. It's yeah. about, you know, doing something you love. 
And I'm very lucky to be able to be in that position. I worked hard to be able to be in that position. Okay. No, that's a good answer. That's, that's what I wanted to know. Uh, so let's talk about Meeple's games then. Okay. Uh, let's see. We are a, I call us a comprehensive game store. Um, we're, some people call us a gaming cafe, but I think that limits uh, the retail aspect. So uh, we have 3,200 square feet. We're on a second floor location, which is a little more challenging to get to, but just requires more advertising dollars. Um, half of the store is retail. Um, we have everything you could want from, you know, Euro games, some mass market games, lots of kids and family, um, role-playing. We have a, we're working on expanding our role-playing section. I'm pretty proud of that at the moment. Um, some miniatures, we have a lot of X-Wing and Star Wars and, um, puzzles. We have puzzles, lots of games, anything you could want. And then, uh, we also have two play spaces. One is called the Thunderdome and that's, uh, where we do magic tournaments and X-Wing and Warhammer and that kind of stuff. And then we have our cafe, which takes up 20, the other 25% of our space, um, we have seating for about 36 to 38 in the cafe. We use big dining room tables, which we bought on Craigslist around the neighborhood. We have a family who comes and visits their dining room table, which is hysterical. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and we have, you know, a menu. We, we focus on locally sourced, simple food. So there are other game cafes in town and in other places that have chefs. We don't have a chef. Mm. We do really delicious sandwiches. We do salads. Um, we make all our own spreads and condiments in-house. Um, we have a panini press. We make chili con queso. That's our specialty. I don't know anywhere in Seattle where you can get chili con queso. But I'm a Texas girl, and I like it, so I make it. And we sell the crap out of it. Uh, we have beer and wine. Uh, we have three local beers on tap and a local cider on tap, and we rotate most of those. Um, we have bottles and cans in various configurations. We do. Um, we have espresso, of course. This is Seattle. Mm. Uh, our new thing we have is called Nitro Cold Brew. Have you heard of Nitro Cold Brew? Uh, no, but I saw that on your website, and I was curious about it. So cold brew is a method of making coffee that's been around for a very long time. I think it, the toddy coffee maker came out in the 50s. And um, it's, you, it's a coarse ground of coffee, and it sits overnight in water in this, you know, very simple device. And then you pull the plug out of the bottom, and it drains through a, a heavy-duty filter. And what you end up with is highly concentrated almost like espresso mm -hmm. except it is very smooth it takes it removes like all of the acidity mm. um it's very smooth very rich you mix that with hot water and now you have the basically brewed coffee we don't have a coffee brewer we use cold brew the new method for cold brew is it we buy it now in kegs our roaster sells it in kegs and it's driven by, instead of CO2, it's nitrogen, which gives it this slightly foamy kind of, it, it looks like Guinness when you pour it. And you serve it over ice, and it is amazing. It's the coffee beverage of the summer. That sounds delicious. Yeah. And I'm yeah. a big fan of coffee, so that sounds, that sounds great. I would love to try that out. I drink it with a hot. I make it hot myself because that's how I like it. But it makes a great ice mocha as well. Cool. So I've got a whole bunch of questions to do with that then. Okay. A whole lot of topics. So did you start out uh, as a game cafe, like, or, you know, the comprehensive game store? Did you do that uh, originally from day one, or was that something you grew into? No, oh, that was the plan from day one. Um, we planned for over two years before we opened. We had a full business plan. We had uh, sketched out you know, kind of what we wanted the place to look like. I had, you know, color schemes and, you know, a, a basic menu as we were starting. Um, and then we hired an architect to build out our space. Hmm. Um, well, to not do the actual building, but, you know, to design it. Yeah. Uh, because the space that we found, we had trouble. We looked for space for nine months. 
uh, it was a, a challenge finding a place that was open and bright enough for our, my needs and also large enough in the neighborhood that we wanted to be in, which we did a bunch of research to find the perfect neighborhood in Seattle. And West Seattle was the perfect neighborhood. It's underserved by game stores. And um, it's a great, great community. Uh, so anyway, the cafe was part of it. The space we found used to be a gym. So we built hmm. the entire kitchen ourselves. That sounds like a pretty big uh, upfront investment. Yep. Yep. Yep, it was. But, you know, we have a great space. So uh, that's what that's what it was about. And I knew how much it was going to be. Through the research? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we were, of course, you can never really know until it, it's happening. But we were pretty close on our on our cost estimates in our business plan for what it was going to cost to do the build out. Um, and, you know, we, we ended up with a nice space. We have some custom casework for our shelves. And, you know, like I said, we built out our kitchen. We have this awesome black rubber floor that's left over from the gym. You had this as all part of your plan. Did you know what kind of foods you were going to, or did you know what suppliers you were going to go to for your food? You know, the, the sourcing was a challenge, actually, because I have not done a restaurant before. I have worked in restaurants before, you know, back when I was in college mm-hmm. and high school, but I had never done the sourcing. And, and that, like I said, that was a challenge um, because we had menu items that we wanted to serve but couldn't find somewhere to get those items. Yeah. And, you know, what? as a, as a store owner convenience is key <laughs> so mm-hmm. i need somebody to bring it to me it can't be that i have this one item that I, I can only get from that one place across town it doesn't work if i can't get it from so we currently we use for most of our stuff we get it uh some from costco and some from food services of america which is one of the restaurant suppliers um their selections are good but they don't have everything you can't get Velveeta at either of those places which you can't make Texas-style chili con queso without Velveeta, so I buy that at the grocery store. Um, so, our, our pastries, we source through um, a great company. They, what a great idea this is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Ahab, and they are a distributor for local bakeries. So they represent probably eight or ten local bakeries that are nut-free and gluten-free and organic and just a great group of companies but I can order from one place and get deliveries, you know, three or four times a week of fresh pastries that are not all from the same place, which mm-hmm. is, you know, great. What a great business idea that is. Yeah, when it's I like a mini them, Amazon. Like, right, because, you know, we're small. It's not like we're Starbucks and blowing through the pastries. Yeah. But we have to have them. So it's nice to be able to get a delivery from multiple places at the same time. That is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody's looking for a way a business idea, that's a good one. Open that in your town. Yeah, cool. So, how did you uh, pick your coffee supplier? Like, what did you you use True North Coffee from the research I've done? How did you find them? Uh, I made some calls. Um, you know, it, that the the whole coffee thing was quite the learning experience. Um, I. You know, months and months before the store opened, I started to buy equipment. And uh, I found, I actually had gone to purchase um, a beverage cooler, which is a cooler that has a glass front. Mm-hmm. See, see if people can see in. And the guy had closed down some ice cream shop or, or something or another. And he had this espresso machine that he was trying to sell for $900. Well, mm-hmm. you know, espresso machines are like $16,000. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't know, no, 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 no. But then he gave it to me for 800 and I was like, okay, I'll take it. <sighs> so, you know, best case, I'll have it serviced and find out that it's great. And worst case, I wasted $800, which in the grand scheme of things, I thought it was a pretty good risk. And it turned out great. I got this awesome, uh, you know, he was selling it way under what it should have been at. It needed some work, but, you know, for a total of like $1,200, I have a, you know, $10,000 espresso machine, which is great. And it's a pretty good deal. Right. But in talking to him, he told me that uh, roasters are the ones who will get you set up. 
and help you to calibrate the machine and get all the equipment that you need and teach you how to use it. It's like, wow, who knew that? Mm-hmm. So I did some research and I asked around. There was a little coffee place by my house that used True North Coffee, and I called them. Uh, they came out. They looked at our machine. They said, you need this and that and that. They sent somebody out to train us. We had six hours of training across multiple days on how to, you know, use it and make espresso. Um, yeah, it, it was just, it was great. I couldn't believe it. Because they want their coffee to taste good. Yeah, of course. So that's where the support comes from. And they, you know, they came out and set us up with our, our nitro cold brew. He did all the mechanics. You know, we had to modify our our kegerator and add an extra tap to that and, you know, get the tubing and all the stuff that had to happen. They did that for us at no labor cost because nice. they want to sell it, you know. Yeah, no, it makes sense from their end. Yeah, yeah. It, it helps you sell their own product, so why not? Right. And apparently all the roasters are due, you know, probably not that level of service. I happen to find the best roaster, but they all mm-hmm. are very supportive in that way. So I'm just trying to think yeah. of a, think of it from a perspective of somebody who's like, oh, you know, if they're doing the research for this kind of thing, if they want to implement the cafe model themselves, knowing this is a, a good start. Oh, yeah, I wish I had known this. <laughs> yeah, definitely do reach out to roasters. The same is true for the, the beer that we have on tap. I reached out to uh, Columbia because they're one of the, the beverage distributors for one of the local breweries that we definitely wanted to have, um, Georgetown Brewery. And, uh, you know, they did the same thing. They sent us a guy. They showed us, you know, all about our brand new kegerator that I bought. And they set it all up. They calibrated it. They come in and check it for us and make sure that everything is working okay. They put me in touch with the supplier for CO2. You know, you got to buy your CO2 canisters from Mm -hmm. the welding company. (laughs) Who knew that, right? Um, So these suppliers are really great in supporting us. And to get where we where we needed to be, and you know, on the day that we opened, we had really there were no big surprises, and it's mostly because of planning, 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 and support from the great people that we work with. Nice. Sounds like everything went pretty well then. Yeah, All yeah. Well. I'm still waiting for the other shoe to fall. <laughs> How long have you been open? Uh, we opened in May of 2014, so a little over a year. I think and it probably would have fallen by now. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, last summer's kind of just a blur, so I, I don't know what may have happened already. Yeah. Why alcohol? Like, why not just coffee? Or why not just the cafe? Like, why did you go all the way to a, a full bar, too? Well, we're not a full bar. We don't have liquor. Okay. Um, so one of the – there are distinctions in the level of liquor license and mm. what you're allowed to serve and what kind of food is required. Um, but I wanted to have alcohol because I wanted to have the place that I wanted to go to. Mm. And I want to go to a place that is clean and bright and there's a, they have good food and I can have a beer and I can sit at a big table where I have room for all my stuff and my game and my food and my, my beverage and have fun with my friends and play games. And that's what we built. Scratching your own itch. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's fun. I mean, having, you know, being a gamer, it's a community thing. You don't do it by yourself. And, you know, when you have people come over to your house, you got to clean it. They leave their stuff there. You know, it's mm-hmm. better to go somewhere fun. And then you don't have to clean anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds much better. Yeah. Yeah. So was it difficult uh, getting the licensing for the the beer on tap and everything and the food? Um, it was not difficult. There are many uh, forms to fill out and, and you know, again, planning. Mm-hmm. I started looking into what was available and what the requirements were a year and a half before we opened. And so when it was time to pull the trigger, I had already talked to all the people I needed to talk to. We had already filled out all the paperwork that needed to be filled out. And um, the liquor license in Seattle, I think Washington has pretty good um, laws when it comes to the kind of licensing you can get. 
and it's not super expensive. Some states I know it's super hard and super expensive, and Washington is not like that. So there were about 25 documents for me to fill out and submit, but beyond that, it was approved, you know, after the, you have to post it on the door so that people mm -hmm. know and find out all the churches and schools in the, in a half a mile radius and they all get contacted and can say no, but it all went smoothly for us and we were approved immediately. Yeah. You need to not have a, you know, you can't be a criminal. Well, yeah. So, you know, I'm clean. No prior convictions beforehand, I guess. Right, right. Okay. Something to keep in mind for sure. Because, yeah. you know, gangster entrepreneurs and uh, criminal activity go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. A bunch of rogues. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind, what was the uh, like ballpark figures for setting up a kitchen and a bar and a, well, you know, half a bar for alcohol? And like, what was, what was the bill? Oh, it was a lot. Our build out was about $120,000. Just for the kitchen or for the whole place? It was for the whole place. Okay. So it's kind of hard to break it apart because yeah. it was, you know, one, I had one contractor to do uh, all of the build out. And I'm, I'm throwing in, you know, I had to buy all the kitchen equipment. So you got to have 38 sinks and, you know, you have to have a sanitizer and you have to have, you know, we have three different, four different refrigeration types and a freezer and the, you know, all the equipment that we needed, um, was about 120 altogether. It's a pretty hefty price tag. Yeah. And a lot of the equipment I bought was used. So, you know, refrigerators and mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Well, the only thing I bought new was, uh, the kegerator, which, you know, that was a cool $6,000, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's great. Hold five kegs. Hmm. How did you find all the used equipment? Uh, there are a couple of places around town that specialize in used kitchen equipment. So they bring it in, they clean it up, they test it, they turn it around. So um, mm -hmm. I use them. Uh, the Seattle restaurant store specializes in new equipment, but, but they also have used equipment. I got some there. I got some on Craigslist. Um, I had by the time we opened, I had two storage units full of equipment just waiting for this, you know, us to be able to move it in. Um, because I spent a year buying stuff just to have it ready to go. That's a lot of preparation. I'm a planner, but it pays off, tell. right? I mean, you have to plan. You can't open a, a you know, this is not a, a little hole in the wall, mm -hmm. $500, you know, starting store. This is a big operation. Would you say that's the reason why, uh, or one of the reasons why you're doing so well? The, like, year ahead of planning? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, because we hit the ground running, we had, you know, a lot of programs in place already, and now we're just able to build on our, our starting success and continue to grow without having to, you know, we spent a couple of months getting our legs under us, but, but since then we've just been expanding our programs and our events and our, you know, our training sessions and, uh, you know, advertising our restaurant. We're starting to get uh, a lunch crowd now, which is great hmm. because the people in the neighborhood have found out that we have great food. So you're attracting people that aren't necessarily gamers. They're actually just coming for the, the cafe element. Yes. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. Um, you know, one of the things I think that sets us apart from some of the other stores is the style of our food. Um, of we're in Seattle, where Card Kingdom and Cafe Mox, and then their new venture, Mox Boarding House. You know, they're the big, big dogs in mm -hmm. the cafe model arena. I, they just are knocking it out of the park. And their, um, their food is high-end. They have a chef. It's nice. It's, you know, it's, it's good, good, like, chef-y food. Our food is not like that. Our food, we have delicious sandwiches that are locally sourced. We use the bread from the bakery down the road. Um, and it's, it's easy. It's simple. But it's really, really good. And it's really uh, cost-effective. Too. You know, you can come in and get a delicious sandwich for six bucks 
and you know you're not breaking the bank by mm -hmm. eating and it's simple i like that simple fact and that was one of the decisions that we made early on because owning a game store and owning a restaurant are two very different things mm -hmm. and they're basically two different businesses operating together and so i wanted to intentionally limit ourselves by not having we don't cook we don't have a vent hood we don't have a flat top we don't fry anything um we don't and we never will mostly well for a couple of reasons one you know i'm trying to force gamers to eat a little better <laughs> yeah that's a good uh, a good goal to have yeah and uh but also i wanted to make sure that we didn't end up just being a restaurant because that's not what i wanted and i i'm mm -hmm. a good cook and i love to cook and i wrote all the recipes for the things that we have and i need to not have a full service restaurant you know it would be easy to get distracted by that so we're limited by what we're able to do with the resources that we have and the equipment that we have. But it's a deliberate choice. It is a deliberate choice, okay. yes. Okay, and uh, that makes us, we have to be creative, right? So mm -hmm. we, have, uh, we have things like, um, we have plates to share. So we have like a fruit and cheese plate, and we have a salmon spread plate, and we have a salami and cheese plate, and we have a veggie plate. And then we have the deluxe plate, which is a little bit of everything. Um, and those are really, really mm. popular because it's finger food and it's game appropriate and it's, you know, it's brie and it's smoked gouda and, you know, smoked salmon spread that we make in-house and these kinds of things. Sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So with, uh, you mentioned Card Kingdom and their new one, Mox Boarding House, will you decided to open up a store did you were you afraid of opening up a, a competing game cafe next to these giants well was that an issue? uh honestly when i decided that this is what we were going to do i didn't even know that they had done that which is kind of silly because i live in this town and i'm a gamer but i was telling a co-worker of mine that i was gonna you know retire and open this game store mm -hmm. and he was like well have you been to card kingdom and i was like yeah it's a card shop and he was like it's not a card shop anymore and he told me about it and i was like what and then we went up there and i was like well that's exactly what we wanted to do and thank you card kingdom for proving my crazy business model for me that's for sure <laughs> yeah oh i used to take my son to card kingdom when it was a card shop you know a gazillion years ago so uh yeah, the new places are just, they're killing it. It's great. Um, but, you know, Seattle is a big town, and there are lots of game stores here. And we actually don't, I don't consider them direct competitors. And they, I'm sure, don't consider me a direct competitor. Because in the scheme of Seattle, they're a long way away. Even though it's like eight miles. We're in West Seattle. You have to cross two bridges to get to Ballard. Hmm. To, you know to go there and people did people magic players would go to card kingdom to play because it's the place but now they come here because we're in their neighborhood interesting so that kind of speaks to the idea of knowing your knowing your local area right and and you know so a lot of the research that i had done and i can't remember whose blog it was it might have been dave wallace um and, you know, he was like, game stores create their own market mm -hmm. within like a two-mile radius around them, which is very true. There are people in this neighborhood. In fact, I think probably the majority of our customers were either not gamers at all or had never been in a game store. And now they come here three times a week. Nice. And that's just because you, you're, you're nearby, the proximity? That's right. We're right here. And uh, the word has gotten out that we are a, you know, we're a family place. We're, we're, we're kind of walking this fine line. It's a balancing act between being a family place where kids are welcome and families can come and play and feel comfortable. But also the serious gamer, the serious hobby gamer needs to be welcome as well. 
And so we schedule our events so that we're not having Pokemon training camp at the same time as we're having a magic tournament. Um, and we have, you know, family game day is Saturday morning. But then Saturday afternoon, we have a magic booster draft, which is a lot of kids. And then Saturday evening, we have another ma- ma- uh, uh, magic booster draft, and that one's mostly adults. How do you, how do you separate them? We don't. They have self-separated. Really? Yep. You know, the kids come during the day, and, and we have adults during the day as well. Um, but then, you know, in the evening, it's mostly adults here. And we have never had a problem with the beer. I have never had an issue with a parent complaining about the beer. I've never had to cut anybody off. We've never had to ask anybody to leave. Hmm. We've never had an issue. We have the best community that I could ever wish for here. Yeah, is that a Seattle thing? Because that's something that uh, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs thinking about, you know, the, the incorporating some sort of an alcohol product into their business, that you'd be worried about that, right? Like the right. common problems with, you know, drinking, right? Right. And then especially since it's a game store, you're going to have a, uh, a lot of children around. Right, right. You know, I think that... I think that some of it has to do with the fact, I think there are multiple things. One is that the the people in our neighborhood are pretty affluent Mm -hmm. and this is Seattle and it's a pretty progressive town. So there aren't very many parents who were shocked by the fact that you can get a beer. In fact, they're often, you know, the kids are in the Thunderdome doing Pokemon training camp and the parents are in the cafe talking and eating lunch and having a beer and they will sit in the same in the in the Thunderdome with the kids and have a beer because the parent it's the parents so they're not complaining because they want to be able to do it they want to have a glass of wine and chat with their friend while the kids are playing Pokemon and um, you know we don't we do have a Pokemon League on Saturdays where I say you, you know, no alcohol in the Thunderdome, mm-hmm. but nobody ever does anyway. Um, but other than that, there aren't any restrictions, and it hasn't been an issue. We do monitor it very closely. One of the things that we have worked really hard to do, and part of it is just you know who we are, is that I as a my son is 23, but you know I speak kid because I'm a mom mm-hmm. and. I know like all the parents and I know their kids and we have our eyeballs on those kids and we don't cut them any slack at all. I pull out the mom voice every day on those kids and the parents appreciate it and they understand and they know that we have a safe, clean place for them and they don't care if their kid is sitting across from somebody who's drinking a beer, which is a little surprising to me, but you know, it works. Hmm. I can understand it. It's a similar environment to what you'd probably find at the person's home. Right. Like, like if the parents enjoy alcohol, then that's what's going to happen. They're going to be drinking a beer at the dinner table or something. And it's no big deal. Right. Why would right. it make a difference if it's at, uh, at your establishment? Right? right. Right. And like I said, we've never, ever had a problem with anybody having too much. So you mentioned earlier uh, that you, you're on the second floor. Of a building, so mm-hmm. that makes a, uh, I guess, walk-in traffic a little, little more difficult. Yeah. So, but you have to advertise. Yep. So, what do you do to get people into your store? Well, uh, well, a couple of things. Uh, the first thing we is that we have sandwich board signs out on the street. Um, so our building is a little bit challenging. It's a nice newer building. It's two stories. There are four businesses on the bottom floor and we're currently the only business upstairs that was a running store next door that's been gone for six months uh, but we have a big sign on the outside of the building and then we have our sandwich board so that we people see our logo has a big orange meeple in it because we're meeples games mm-hmm. um, so we get a lot of just drive by saw your sign but we also wreck uh we advertise in the West Seattle blog, which is West Seattle's a neighborhood. It has a blog. It's like everybody in West Seattle reads the West Seattle blog every day. It's hmm. crazy. So we just started advertising there. And 
it's hard to advertise on the micro level, if that makes sense. You know, it doesn't, it's not worth the money for me to advertise in the local paper because, or, you know, things that hit all of Seattle because that's not our market. Our market is, you know, five mile radius of our store, really. So um, we do, most of our advertising and marketing is in the form of working with the community. So we work with schools and we work with, you know, we donate to schools. We give things, you know, we, we give gift cards, we give games, we, um, we sponsor a little a girls softball team. We do the things that get, uh, that both help our local, local community or neighborhood and also get the word out about us. Okay. It's a little bit of a challenge because there aren't, you know, I have a, a, a budget, a marketing budget and it's hard to spend because there's not that much to spend it on. <laughs> we have to be creative. Hmm. We had a, in Seattle every year, every summer, every neighborhood has a festival and we um, handed out little paper bags with a sticker on it that said, bring this back to the store and we'll give you 10 Pokemon cards or 10 magic cards for free. And we walked around at the festival and handed them out to kids. And we got a huge number of new customers in because they wanted to come and get their cards. And then once we can get them in the door, uh, our store is great and they come back and they spend money. I like that. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I got that from Pat Fugge from Gnome Games in Green Bay. He does that. That was his idea. But it worked great. Hey, that's that's the whole point, right? Share the share the good ideas. Yep. We can all we can all definitely help one another. Okay, so I wanted to to ask why Thunderdome, and then let's go into the Thunderdome. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I don't. Rem- I think it might have been my son who wanted to name it the Thunderdome because it's the competition place. Mm. So who will be the victor? Yeah. Um, so that's a separate space for us. It is. Uh, it has. Um, uh, a big art opening out into our retail space and then uh, another opening into a hallway where we have lockers and there's a washroom there. And the store actually goes like in a big circle. So you can walk around the back and then end up in the cafe from the Thunderdome, which is nice because people mm. can eat and drink in the Thunderdome as well. And uh, the, the decor is different. We have... Um, uh, chalkboard paint on the walls well two of the walls um, okay. and we use that to you know keep track of who won Friday Night Magic and the schedule for Netrunner and how to trade properly for Pokemon and our rules of conduct and things and you know we allow people to write notes up there you know looking for gamers to trade or whatever um and I, I love the chalk walls in there. It could be a little messy when the kids come, but we clean it up. Um, and then we have those regular eight-foot tables, you know, for competition for magic and mm-hmm. chairs. It seats 36. So what kind of events do you hold in there? Uh, we have stuff every day of the week. We have four days where we have magic. Uh, we have two days where we have Pokemon, we have X-Wing, we have Armada, we have Dice Masters, we have Android Netrunner, we have um, War Machine and Hordes, we have, what else do we do in there? We have lots of other events that mo- many of them happen in the cafe. We have a lot of role-playing games. We have groups that come during the day and play Pathfinder and D&D in there. We have groups that come in the evening and play D&D and the Star Wars. The Star Wars role-playing games are very popular here as well. So there's something going on in the Thunderdome every night and most days. Cool. And it's, it's nice to have that separate space from the cafe because the vibe is completely different. Mm-hmm. Cafe is more casual. It's more open it's it's warmer in in the coloring of it you know the thunderdome is more all business yeah yeah getting down to the business of destroying your opponents right right 
How many people work at your store right now? We have eight employees plus me. And um, my partner, Brian Taylor, he he is, well, he doesn't actually work here, but he, he's like the game guy. So he con- he runs our Dice Masters. He runs some RPGs. He comes in after his regular job in the evening and, and runs some events for us. So we have eight regular employees plus me. Okay. Uh, so a couple questions, but first one is, how did you find your partner? Uh, well, he and I have been partners for five years. And uh, when you know, he's a civil engineer and I was a software person and when I told him I wanted to do this, he was like, you're crazy. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not do it alone? Uh, well, you know, everything's better with somebody else. Well, you know, initially, uh, the money, it was all me. And um, he, you know, we, we did it most of, since I had quit my job to do this, I did most of the work. But once the store opened, I wanted him to have... Um, you know, take advantage of the sweat equity that he had put in, plus have some monetary investment. So he has done that, and now he's he's a part owner. And it's better to do it with somebody else. Especially, you know, the difference between working for somebody else, the biggest difference for me is that person to go to, to talk about something or complain about somebody that works for you or talk out a problem, you know, and that's what Brian and I do for each other in with the game store is, you know, it's not like I can talk about, you know, how I'm going to deal with that distributor with a customer. Yeah. You know, it's nice to have somebody else to, to make decisions and bounce things off of for sure. Mm. And plus to, this is our thing, right? We're game people. Yeah. It's a social aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the other question was, uh, how do you, do you have a, a secret for hiring the right people? Well, you know... Because it's tough. It is tough. And as a long-time manager... I mean, I've, I've been a manager of some type one way or another for 30 years, probably, mm-hmm. and have hired many, many, many people. But I found that hiring for the game store is very different than hiring an engineer... So there are some aspects of it that are that are um, the same, but I I had a few missteps right off the bat, but have learned a lot and and those things I hire for personality at this point. I want somebody who is excited to be here, who uh, you know is passionate about gaming, and they don't have to know all the games; they just have to be passionate about the thing that they're passionate about and and you know have a good personality and be outgoing and happy and everything else i can teach them Mm -hmm. what kind of missteps did you have at the beginning oh you know i just i hired some people who it seemed like they were going to be great but then ended up not being that not being passionate about being here um you know i get that this is not a career for most people. You know, it's a stepping stone mm-hmm. along the way. Um, but I also want it to be a good job that they like and that they feel like they're getting something out of as well. Um, so it's a bit of a challenge. But I don't hire for skill anymore. I hire for personality. They do need to have some basic skills, but I can teach somebody to work in the restaurant and make sandwiches exactly the way I want them made from the recipe that I have written down step by step, right? Mm -hmm. That's not hard, but talking to people and being able to think on their feet and recommend a game and be happy about it, that's something that you can't teach. Yeah. Yeah. Customer service is definitely a soft skill. It's hard to to impart. Right. Right. So we have a great group of people. I, we're incredibly diverse in, um, okay, not incredibly. This is Seattle. Yeah. But we're pretty diverse. Pretty diverse. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, uh, what does your staff do? What do you have all eight, cust- or eight employees uh, doing? Oh, well, they all do everything, pretty much. Um, we do have some people who specialize in things. 
everybody works in the cafe um, for, you know, one or more shifts mm-hmm. uh, okay. per week. Most of them are part-time. I have two people who are full-time. Um, I have two people who are our magic. Uh, one is a judge, and the other one is uh, my son, and he runs he runs the program in general. And then, uh, you know, he's a, a judge for some of the events, and then Hank is the judge for some of the other events. We sell singles, which um, we just started doing that, I think, in November, and it's it's gone really, really well. Um I was reluctant to do that at first because of the the massive amount of overhead. Um, but those guys, they know every single card. It's just mind blowing. Yeah, um, it's pretty incredible the amount of knowledge, like the fact that you can remember the prices yeah. for thousands of cards when you're that involved in it. Yeah, and when you're you know 23, my brain is too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I remember everything else. Um, you know, I have people who, I have somebody who does all of the uh, inventory and ordering for the cafe. I have somebody, so he's kind of our kitchen manager. Um, uh, we have somebody who uh, is in charge of making sure that all the events on our calendar are up to date and accurate and posted new things. Um, and they learn new games and talk to customers and sell them. So I've uh, I read you also do game demos. Uh, yeah, we do. We we try to we do learn to plays and demos. We have a little. We struggle a little bit with getting people to come to those things. Um, I'm not sure if it's just a lack of interest or if we aren't uh, getting the word out well enough. Um, but we we did a a learn to play demo of um, Colt Express last week. Which Colt Express won Spiel the R. Nobody came. I know. It's hmm. crazy. Uh, but then we have other things that just f- fire like crazy. We did a Splendor tournament and we for eight people, and we had like 25 people want to play. Wow. So we're doing another one, and we will probably do another one after that because that was a huge success. So we just have to find out what our community wants and... Uh, and do it. We do have a lot of luck mm. with um, learn to play for role playing games. So we get a lot of uh, new and independent games in here, running demos, and people attend those. We do a D and D learn to play once a month, and there's always people who come to that. We have D and D for kids once a month, and there are always people who come to that. Um, painting. That's one of the things that we have stumbled upon. That is big in our neighborhood uh, is miniatures not necessarily playing but painting hmm. so we have expanded our hmm. hobby area with paints and brushes and tools and things that you need to to work with modeling and minis and then we do learn to paint sessions and those are always maxed out we have a huge selection of reaper bones which it turns out that we're like the place in town to get them which is great for us yeah have you noticed a? Has it affected your sales? Doing the things like the painting workshops and stuff like that. Have you noticed a, a direct correlation, or is it? Well, I think it, it's a little difficult to say that our sales increased by X percent since we did that thing. But yes, um, we do. Our our sales are constantly increasing. We do better every month, and you know we sell more in the paint. And, and model category than we did before. So, yeah, I think it's hugely successful. And, you know, it's not a high-profit area. You've got to sell a lot of bones to make any money, but it's about being known as the place to get them. Mm-hmm. And we do sell a fair amount. It's, we're not making a, a, you know, a fortune selling bones minis, but I like having them, and I like being the place that people come to get them. And it's worthwhile, so... It's totally worthwhile, you know. I'm surprised. I thought puzzles, you know, people at Christmas, everybody wanted puzzles. And I was like, okay, we'll get puzzles. And apparently the only time you sell puzzles is Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have a great selection of puzzles right now if you need any. (laughs) So, yeah, if uh, you need some puzzles, you know where to go. Yeah, yeah. I want to get into something a little more... uh 
know, philosophical a little bit rather than the technical aspects of the business. So I've asked this from for most of the entrepreneurs who've been on the show, but uh, what does success look like to you for your game store? Because everyone's got a different definition of what they want and what the ideal is. So what is it for you? Well, you know, I feel like we are successful now even though we are not making the profit that I would like to make. Um, success for me is building the place where we have happy customers and families. You know, I, I sometimes on a Saturday afternoon, I walk around and just I'm thrilled that there are, you know, that there are adults playing magic. There are adults playing games, there were kids and grandparents, you know, the cafe, everybody mm -hmm. is eating. You know, I know people like the food in the cafe because the bus tubs never have food in them, just dishes. <laughs> you know, everybody eats everything. It's rare that there's any food that doesn't get consumed. Um, and, you know, our customers are so nice and they tell me every single day how much they love our place and how much how happy they are that we're in our neighborhood and that is success for me of course i need to make a living so there's that too but that's secondary i think so you're already there then i think so nice that's great <laughs> maybe i'm aiming too low i, I want to make a million dollars hey uh, that's uh that was gonna be my next question what's your big hairy audacious goal what if you could like, you know, uh, choose exactly how the next like five to ten years rolled out for your business? What does it look like in the future? Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, people talk about they ask me if I want to open another one or mm. you know this or that. I you know I'm not at that place yet, and I don't know if that's what I want in the future. It depends on how how this store looks three or four years from now, um, but. You know, I just want to, I am super competitive and I like to win and I want to be recognized in the gaming community, the game store community as, you know, being a player in what is also, you know, a male dominated industry. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I like that. But, you know, I just want to do something that makes me happy and make a living and, make other people happy and I don't need to be a millionaire, you know. I mean, at some point I would like to maybe either turn it over to my son or sell it. Um, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I would like to make a good living though, you know. I, I do course. miss I do miss the the you know, six digit paycheck. Mm. Yeah, I can but. see how that would be well, as long as you're happy. You know, well, if you're you enjoying yourself and that, things are good. It's, for me, it is not about money. You know, I have set myself up. I and I don't. I'm. I don't need to make that salary. I never needed to make that salary, which is why I was able to do this. And and I realize that's rare, and I was very lucky and privileged. Yeah, yeah not everybody will make to that. Be trade. in that position, right? But I worked really hard for 20 years to be able to do it. Has it been hard? being a woman in a another male dominated industry like is it actually uh has that been an obstacle um i don't think so but i don't i try not to think about it like that um i have had a, just a few instances of um people not taking us seriously but then they they talk to me and they're like oh oh yeah 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 she knows what she's talking about she means business right Mm. Right. Um, but, you know, generally, it, it, interestingly, it's uh, customers who don't realize until they talk to me that I'm the owner of the store. When we first opened, one of my employees, like, everybody thought that he was the owner of the store. Yeah. I was like, okay, you need to let them know that it is not you, that it's me. Because <laughs> everybody just assumed that it was, you know, the 40-year-old guy behind the counter. But it wasn't. It was me. And I guess, you know, 
maybe 80 percent of the time that would probably be the case right so right um but easy you mistake know for them to make, in, I suppose. within the within the game store owner community because and that one of my favorite things about this industry is just the we support each other so much and shared knowledge and you know i learned so much from the other game store owners before we opened we go to gamma we talk to all the people you know i've been following gary ray's blog mm-hmm. for years um i was so thrilled when he came in i felt like such a fangirl he was here last week and i was like oh oh he's here <laughs> it was <laughs> it was pretty funny um yeah that's actually how i uh Oh, I discovered you. I was reading his blog of how he was doing a tour, and he went into your store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that he was doing the blog, and and he had already had his itinerary, and he was talking about going to Mox and the boarding house. And, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, you should come see us. And he was like, yeah, I already have my plan. But then he came. I was like, woo. <laughs> How'd the visit go? Uh, it was great. It was great. We were super busy at the time and, uh, you know, we were trying to, our UPS didn't deliver until like 5.30. So we're in the middle of the dinner rush and the organized play that evening is all getting started. We're super busy and we're trying to get this game order put away in the middle of that. And that's when he came. Perfect timing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's nice to come when it's busy, right? See everybody working hard and lots of happy customers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. But back to what I was saying, everybody mm-hmm. in the game industry has been nothing but supportive and nice to us, and to me specifically, which I really, really appreciate. Yeah, I was actually uh, going to ask about that. What is your relationship with the stores like in your immediate area? Like You're close enough to Card Kingdom, you know, the eight-mile-ish mark, but are there other stores that are closer by that uh, you interact with more often? There are other stores closer by. Um, there is uh, Blue Highway Games is on Queen Anne, which is pretty much between us and Car Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the owner there. I have met the owner there, I think. Um, you know, I don't interact with the other stores that much, honestly, um, because we're so different and the mm-hmm. neighborhoods are so segregated that we really don't have much crossover. Uh, the Ray Gun Lounge and Phoenix Games and Comics are both on Capitol Hill, and they're pretty close to each other, so that's an interesting relationship. I wonder how that works. Um, so I know of those stores. I've been in all those stores, but I don't know all the owners. There is a little store in West Seattle uh, called the Game Porium, and we met these guys at Gamma the first year we went before our store ever opened when we were looking for space. And they too were going to open a game store in West Seattle. So we kind of talked and um, you know, parted our separate ways. Mm. I could tell from the conversation that we were way ahead of them in terms of being able to open. But what they ended up doing is partnering with a chain of coffee shops called Uptown Espresso. Mm. And they opened a game store inside the coffee shop. That's different. Yeah. It was evilly brilliant. And, you know, they opened like two months before us inside this coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And it's small. They don't have a really huge selection. Um, they do a great job of, uh, they run multiple events every day, lots of learn to plays. And, you know, they're doing sessions for games that I just don't have the time to do. Um, and I, but I don't think we compete, even though they're like a mile from me in the same neighborhood. Uh, their business model is so different. And um, they're more, they're a little, their audience is a little hipper than ours. We're very much family and serious gamer oriented. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're a little more hipster oriented gotcha Um, but we interact with them a lot um they recently started doing um uh real magic not real magic they were doing magic before but now they're they're core with wizards of the coast so they do sanctioned magic Mm -hmm. so when i saw that they were now sanctioned i called over there and i was like okay well we should work together and not run the same events on the same day because there is enough for both of us. Yeah. And we, we should not compete. So I do these days and these events. 
So like my Friday Night Magic is standard. You guys should do a draft for Friday Night Magic or something else, Two-Headed Giant or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were pretty receptive to that, and we'll see what happens. This is a recent development, but I would prefer to not compete with them. And um, we send people, I send people to them often when we don't have something, or we'll call over there and see if they have it. Um, I don't know that they do that for us, but I, I don't know. I hope they do. You hope so, right? Yeah. 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 No, I've, uh, I kind of teach that at, that too. Just, you know, if you can cooperate with your competitors with air quotes, if you can work together, it's much better for both, both parties. No right. reason it's to step on each other's toes. It's better for the customers as well, because yeah. then there's no like weird feeling about, Oh, I was over there. You know, we have people come in and they talk about card kingdom and they talk about this store and that store. And our response is always the same. Every employee. Oh, I love that store. Do you know that guy? Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever been to this? So we we never ever ever talk bad about other game stores in our town because we do love them. You know, every game store that we have is building the community for all of us. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, many people have tried and failed doing a local game store. What do you think sets the winners apart from the losers? Oh boy. Um, I think that there are multiple aspects to that. One is business sense. You know, you it's mm-hmm. a business. You have to run it as a business. I don't spend nearly as much time playing games as I would like because I'm running my business. And that's the most important thing for me to do. Um, I think that people jump in and not realize that running a business is a thing and you have to be able to analyze your data and be able to be agile and uh, react on a dime and be proactive and plan and execute and be efficient and all the things that are required of you to be able to successfully run a business. And then beyond that, you need to have a passion for it. Game stores are hard. And you, it's all about customer service and community. It's different than it used to be. You know, now you have to have all the extras. You have to have the play space. You have to have, you know, this is why we have food. Well, one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the model now. And I'm glad that we got in on that from the get-go and didn't have to realize three years later that we needed to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's all about community. The gaming is so much about community and just n- knowing that and, and making decisions around that, I think, are the things that make stores successful. I, I, I have one. Uh, our neighborhood is great. Um, and since we opened, it's cleaner. Here's why. Hmm. Every kid between... 9 and 13 they come in after school they come in during the day they look at the magic cards and they want them I'm like okay well go home and tell your mother that you will do the worst chore that you can think of (laughs) you'll scrub out all the garbage cans you'll you know power wash the house you'll clean the car you'll scrub the you'll clean the basement and she will give you money I promise and they're like, and they do. And the parents are like, "Did you tell him to come and home and clean the basement?" And I said, "Yeah." She's she's like, "Thanks." <laughs> like, no, thank you. You gave him fifty bucks, which he then spent at my store. Now that's a win-win. Yeah. I like that. That's a good tip. Yeah. Pretty much anyone can do that. Just you know, if your yeah. customers really want those cards, all you have to do is just work your butt off. Yep. Go home. Do some chores. Uh, one of the things that the, also the families in our neighborhood do is they come in and buy gift cards for the kids so that the kids have money, but they can only spend it here. Mm-hmm. So after school, they come in, they can get something to eat, they can get a little whatever, whatever, and, you know, they get 30 bucks a week on their, on their Meeple's gift card and their parents know exactly where they are. Good deal. Which is, I tell parents yeah. that all the time, it works great. Yeah, nice. I guess that's one of the nicest things about having the parents actually come into the store with the kids, too. You do actually get to interact with them more often than 
I think what a regular normal game store would. You wouldn't see right. the parents as much because you don't have the food. Right, right, right. And mm. you know, I like the parents. They come in. They get. They meet me. They meet the other, other uh, employees who are all great with kids. And then they're they're not uncomfortable leaving them here. When my son was playing, he played Yu-Gi-Oh, and I would take him to a card shop in the Yu District, and I would have to stand there. There was nowhere to sit. There was nothing to drink. It it mm. stank. It was dark. It was dirty, and it was I couldn't. There's no way I could leave an 11 or 12 year old kid there by himself. So I had to stay. Yeah, which is horrible, and I hated it, but I did it anyway. And I do not have that place. Yeah, some of the things we put up with just to play our favorite games. Right. Hmm. Okay, well, it's been great, but uh, at some point we do have to say goodbye. But I wanted to ask you before we go, uh, what's exciting you right now? What's going on in your business in the near future that's uh, got you pumped? <laughs> okay, don't laugh, but okay. we are going to get a convection microwave oven uh this is the kind of uh heating device that they have in like starbucks they have them and they can heat up a sandwich in you know two minutes that kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh so we're going to get one of those and we're going to start doing pizza Mm, nice which i think that our customers are really really going to like yeah pizza and games go pretty well together yeah, and you know it's it kind of breaks my uh, game appropriate food model, mm-hmm. but um, you know, and, and it's a compromise with the junk food because I try not to have too much junk food, but they are you know gamers, so they want some. Yeah, and I think pizza is a good way to go, and pizza is easy to do a vegetarian. You know, we we make sure that we have good vegetarian and vegan options, and pizza is one that we can do that with. Um, and then once we have that oven, it, it just opens up a whole world of stuff that we could do. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah if the pizza doesn't work out, you can always try something else, right? Just like Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Start yeah. warming up those sandwiches. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, we do have a panini press right now, which we're going to keep. I'd rather mm. do the paninis than the toasted sandwiches, but we'll see. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about getting a piece of kitchen equipment. Woohoo! Hey, it makes sense. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh, and, and we're starting a board game league, so that's going to be – we're pretty excited about that too. Cool. Yeah. All right, and if uh, you know the listeners wanted to come into your store and say hi or you know visit you online, what do, what do they have to do? Oh, well, they could go to uh, meeplesgames.com. That's M-E-E-P-L-E-S, games.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, and we're located at the corner of California and Charlestown in the beautiful West Seattle neighborhood of Seattle. Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, Laura. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I like, really like exploring the, uh, the game cafe model and your business sounds sweet. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed, you know, honestly, I was like, what are we going to talk about for an Mm. hour? But it just flew by. Uh, You had great questions. Thank you so much for, you know, wanting to talk to me and giving me this opportunity. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'll let you get back to your afternoon. Okay. Okay. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.